Good afternoon, everyone. I would like you to welcome everyone to today's ILTA's podcast interview entitled Incorporating Large Language Models, LLMs in the Legal Arena. I'm your moderator today, Carolyn Robinson, a senior e-discovery associate at Bosch, and I am thrilled to be joined with Christine Livingston, Managing Director of AI and IoT at Protivity. Christine, can you please provide our audience with a brief introduction of yourself prior to jumping into today's uh, podcast? Absolutely. Thanks, Carolyn. Um, so great to be here. I have been focused in technology consulting for about 20 years, and I started my career in AI actually 10 years ago when the original Watson platform came out, if you can remember those days. Yes. Um, if you remember watching Watson play Jeopardy, that was when I got started. Obviously, it's come a long way since then, but it's been a really fun journey to see how AI has evolved and how it's been used to do some really interesting things over the last 10 or so years at this point. Great. Um, Christine, for those who are new to the LLM terminology, in layman terms, can you just briefly describe what this initiative is? Sure. So, you know, this is kind of a subset, so to speak, of artificial intelligence. So you can think of AI as being a really broad field of technology that can emulate human thought process and decision making. And when you think about the capabilities that that means, that means that it can Generally, artificial intelligence can do things like interpret images or interpret video, uh, you know, speech to text, text to speech, those types of capabilities. There's been a lot done around understanding text and unstructured information. You know, we inherently communicate in verbose conversation, right? We don't usually communicate back and forth in single data points. And so Natural language processing has been a field of artificial intelligence really focused on trying to understand and decipher the way that humans communicate. And large language models are essentially a progression of that field of natural language processing. And think of them as AI systems that have been trained on huge amounts of unstructured information. You're talking billions of parameters and billions of documents. Parameters can be kind of the weights in your model, but essentially they are AI systems trained specifically for text-based purposes to create conversational dialogue based on all of that training information that they've seen in the term large literally comes again from the volume <laughs> of data um, that they were trained on. Great. I'm glad you're able to explain that to our audience because, you know, every year we get all these new, you know, phrases and terminology and, and people really don't have a great concept of what these, you know, terms and how they can actually be, you know, brought into our legal arena. And, um, and going into that, I think I want to really just focus on, you know, um, legal departments. And if you could, you know, just give us some, maybe in your own terms and your experience, what have been some of the key challenges that legal departments have faced in adopting or trying to integrate these LMs into their workflow? Yeah, it's, it's a great question. And, you know, I think one of the first big challenges is figuring out what is this and how are we going to use it? What does this mean for our department and how are we going to leverage this technology to do interesting things? So I think identifying 
practical use cases has been a big challenge. Um, you know, certainly I think understanding the risks and how to leverage the technology appropriately has been another one. Most people at this point are aware of some pretty major public incidents, right? Some attorneys who may have used tools <laughs> like that to see, right? Uh, maybe right. the output a little bit too much. So, you know, I think there's a lot of questions around, you know, how do you verify and validate information? How do you use the tools responsibly? And that's all, again, kind of in that context of what are we hoping to use this technology to do? What does it actually mean for us as a department and an organization? Right. And like you mentioned that, you know, there's been like some type of resistance because we don't know what's, you know, um, true or factual. But, you know, what are some of the, I guess, initial resistance or skepticism that exists when you trying to introduce these LMs into a legal arena? Yeah, I think, again, you know, there's usually concern about truthfulness and accuracy that's come about, again, by some of those major incidents that have occurred. And I think there's a lot of education and understanding to be done in this space that when thought of appropriately, it is another tool in your toolbox, right? right? And you need to learn how to use that tool appropriately and effectively. And I think we're still in some of the early stages of figuring out exactly what that means. And I'll say an analogy that I've personally come to use a lot that, that at least makes sense to myself is thinking about, you know, if you think about Excel as a tool to help you perform math, right. We don't really question that Excel is doing the math correctly. We know how to check, (laughs) right. We know how to check. Did you put the right references in and did you use the right formulas? Right. So we've, we've learned, okay, we don't, we don't question the tool's ability to calculate correctly. Right. We know what those checks and balances that we need to apply around the tool are, which is again, look at the references, look at the formulas. Did we apply the right formula to solve the right problem. And I think we're still in the process of figuring out if a large language model and Gen AI or ChatGPT is a tool, what are those checks and balances that we need to put in place around it, right? What's the equivalent of, you know, check your formula, check your references. Um, And we're, you know, figuring that out, I think as time goes on, and there's a lot of things you can do when you're developing and deploying these solutions to make sure that you have some of those checks and balances in place. Um, but I think that's, that's been one of the things to think about is think of it like a tool and how can you effectively use a tool to help accelerate or streamline some of your day-to-day activities, but not necessarily replace entirely. Right. And you, you brought up a, a, a good scenario, or I should say the responsibility of being able to use these, you know, tools correctly. Are there any tips or anything that you think that would, you know, help a legal department use these, you know, tools in a more responsible, you know, manner? Yeah, I think it's, you know, always really important to understand where you are consuming this, this capability from, right? There is a a major difference between going to public open chat GPT and maybe something that's a little bit more purpose-built that was in-house or is incorporated into one of your existing technology platforms, right? Um, So I think being aware 
of the technology that you're using and, you know, kind of where it came from is a really important <laughs> thing to consider. Very important, right? <laughs> yes. Um, you know, and then understand, right? Some of us, again, just basic education, people have learned from some of some other people's mistakes at this point, right? Um, what are some of the checks and balances that you need to put in place? You can't necessarily just take all the output at face value. So how do I do my own validation and verification of some of the outputs that I receive? Um, and I think, you know, it's again, really important to understand that it is meant to augment, not replace and <laughs> how you can do that, right? Efficiently. Right. And how are you going to look at the output, um, you know, and make sure that you are continuing to apply human thought process and human evaluation around the output of the model itself. So do you have like any suggestions that, you know, uh, a legal department could, I, I guess, ascertain, you know, as far as being more effective and, you know, training their lawyers and being able to gather because, you know, you brought up, you know, um, an instance where, you know, people are afraid to take on these tools because they're afraid that they're going to be replaced. And so I like the fact that you said that, you know, no one is trying to replace. We're trying to encourage more people to utilize these tools to be more effective. Could you expand on that? Yeah, absolutely. You know, I think generally the media has done a great job, right, of instilling some of that fear of replacement. Um, one of the quotes I really like the best um, is, I think his name is Jared Kelko um, in the secretary department. And he said, you know, it's easier to imagine the jobs that exist today that will go away than it is to imagine the jobs that will exist tomorrow, right? That we don't yet know right. about. And I think it's such an accurate statement. And as I said, I've been deploying AI solutions for 10 years. I've seen a lot of these solutions go into place where there were initially concerns about what does this mean for my department? Does that mean that people are going away or people are less important? And inevitably, I've always seen those departments and those job functions evolve and shift to account for this new capability. So as you can work more efficiently and effectively, you know, I've seen people become the AI trainers, for example. And so um, think just like you need to train <laughs> for a new employee, right? You need to train and mentor your AI system. So I've seen new jobs develop right around being AI trainers. I think you may have heard a lot about being a prompt engineer. Um, that is an emerging job, right? That came about in 2023, you know, thinking about how can I actually prompt these systems more effectively and more efficiently? How can I optimize the output of these tools? Um, so I think you'll see again, jobs evolve. And if you ask somebody in 2022, what a prompt engineer was, no one would have any clue what you were talking about, right? So, it, <laughs> so we'll see, you know, I think you'll see new jobs emerge and new patterns deploy. And typically it means that people get to work on the more interesting, more complex, more unique scenarios and less of the repeatable, you know, well understood scenarios. And I've seen it really um, elevate the level of work that people do as well. Good, good to hear. Um, so you indicated that you've been working with this type of, um, I guess, technology or tools for, you know, about 10 years. And um, since seeing that, what are some of the benefits you've noticed, you know, for uh, legal departments over the past 10 years? What are some of the pluses? 
<laughs> yeah. So I'll say legal, you know, legal departments are newer, um, to, to this game in general. You know, I think when we see where legal departments are thinking about using LLMs and AI right now, some of them are in the more tedious tasks. I'll say drafting is okay. a topic that comes up all the time, right? So legal drafting helped me to, you know, start writing my contract, helped me to do things more effectively and more efficiently. We've seen a lot of interesting applications for contract comparison and analysis. So if you think things like vendor agreements, master services agreements, third-party arrangements, um, using AI to help compare and contrast maybe terms and conditions, um, understanding where you have significant deviations from what you would you know, expect to be your standard approach or policy. Um, we've seen interesting applications in e-discovery. So think, you know, if I could actually ask my case, so to speak, right? Uh, how many times does person A talk to person B? Or, um, you know, how many, show me when somebody talked about this particular topic area and being able to kind of chat with your case and inquisition all of the data that you've collected in the e-discovery process is another pretty big emerging um, trend, I would say, okay. um, right? You know, doing some due diligence and vendor reviews. <clears throat> That's been another area. You know, I think when you start to think about the world is your oyster, there's a lot of possibilities, like where are the best fits? It's really thinking about, you know, where typically are there a lot of unstructured documents? There's no shortage of that in legal department. Okay. Right? <laughs> of course not. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, you know, how, and it's really, how can we help interpret and pull out key pieces of information in order to help accelerate this decisioning and evaluation process that happens, um, you know, quite often in legal. Right. And of course, you know, legal, when you bring up, you know, contracts and, you know, information governance, that type of, you know, um, documents or things that are part of a, a legal department, how can the legal departments really align themselves, you know, with the security and privacy? Because, I, I mean, there's all types of regulatory compliances legal departments have to adhere, adhere to. So how can they be really efficient and, you know, using these technology, but at the same time safeguarding their information? Yeah, it's, it's a great question. And, you know, it kind of goes back to a little bit of that distinction we were talking about earlier around, you know, if I go to ChatGPT on OpenAI's site and I'm using the free public chatbot instance, there's a vastly different risk profile than if maybe I'm using something that's built into an in-house platform. So we've seen a lot of, you know, in-house existing legal technology starting to add expand and enhance its AI capabilities. Okay. Um, there's also a lot of ability and we see a lot of clients now working on, you know, taking some of these large language models and these AI technologies from major hyperscaler providers like Microsoft and Google and Amazon, and they are creating, you know, a safe, technology environment, right? Where it lives okay. your, your technology for walls um, and your data is not used to train or further some of those foundation models, but they're deploying those capabilities within your own technology environment so that it can be used um, while not sending back any sensitive or private information or data. Um, you know, I think one of the newer concerns I hear a lot in legal departments, and this is actually kind of on both sides of the 
the coin, which is interesting, right? Um, you know, from a from a consultation perspective, as for your organization, what is our thought and policy around um, IP infringement and indemnification? And how do I know if I use these models that the information that I pull back might not be something that I'm not supposed to have, right? How do I know that I'm not using someone else's confidential information? So I actually see legal departments actually getting involved often as their own companies are developing their policies and procedures and their governance frameworks, right? For AI to understand, you know, what does that risk look like and how do you effectively mitigate it and what's our legal, um, you know, position. Um, so that's kind of an interesting, you know, not on the <laughs> side, but also on where legal departments are quite often getting involved, um, you know, as well. And again, that gets to what are those guardrails and those touch points, usually human in the loop or human oversight is a really necessary component of any of these systems. So really, if a legal department really wants to get into the LM, I guess, a framework, it really starts with them selecting the right tool. Absolutely. Very well said. Great. And I think the only other thing that I think it would be helpful for the audience, and when we go into, I guess, uh, overall um, legal strategy, um, could you provide any tips for the legal department to officially get in line with some type of uh, legal strategies? Yeah. So, you know, I think when you're thinking through, you know, your department strategy and how you plan to approach, um, you know, your business more holistically, right? Okay. Think of AI, again, as a tool that can be incorporated into that overall toolbox. And when you start to think about, you know, opportunities for efficiency gains and elevating the work that people do, that's a great opportunity to think, you know, how can we use AI to do some of these maybe less complex, um, more routine tasks and do them so that we can optimize our workforce and use those people to do, again, the, the more complex, interesting tasks. Um, and, you know, think about, you have an ability as well to customize and to tune these models also. So just like you would train a new employee, right, around here are right. our guidelines, here are the principles, here are the, the values we won't compromise on, here are the things we will. Um, just like you might instill that training, you know, in a new attorney or a new paralegal, right. uh, you want to think about instilling those same principles and guardrails in the technology that you deploy. Okay. And you want to look for the opportunity to, again, customize or extend these AI capabilities to align with both your legal strategy and then your overall, you know, corporate ethics and, and AI governance framework and approach. Well, thank you very much. Uh, Christine, it's been a pleasure being with you today. And I want to just thank you again for sharing your expertise with our audience today. And for those who, you know, um, will be tuning in later to view the session, I hope that you find this topic of uh, great value. And Christine, again, 
thank you. And I'm quite sure that we're going to bring you back on again because you're just full of knowledge. And, and again, you're assuring us that, you know, technology is here to stay and we just need to be able to grasp it and look at it in a different format for all of us. So again, thank you very much for your time today. Thank you so much for having me, Carolyn. Really appreciate it. <laughs> thank you.